Hi folks, it's Rabbi Sharon Brous here. You are listening to Ikar's podcast where you can hear our sermons from Shabbat and holidays, our guest speakers, our teachers, anything we think worth listening to that we can capture, you can hear right here. Thank you so much for being with us. Shabbat shalom, everybody. Shabbat shalom. Um, and mazel tov to Isaac. Um, I, uh, I just got, I spent a few days this week in, uh, in Tucson, Arizona which is a cool city uh, that feels like a, a desert town. It's just on the edge of the Sonoran Desert. And um, I went there to teach some classes. I was sort of back to something that I, 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 I used to do, I used to love doing, traveling around and teaching, teaching Torah, and it was great. There was, there was some really, really smart, smart, passionate students there. Um, and also just to be, I took the opportunity just to be in the desert. There's something about just being in the desert that so settles my, like settles my my mind my consciousness, um, and I understand why why our ancestors had their spiritual experiences in the desert. I, I had some some spiritual experiences with the um, saguaro cacti, which are really just magnificent there. Um, but I was invited there by Jessica Emerson McCormick, who used to work here with us. Um, a lot of you uh, are are friends with Jessica. I'm 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 good friends with Jessica, and um, and so it was sort of informal. Uh, she said, just come down and, and you'll teach the students, but teach whatever you want. So I decided, okay, so I, I wanted to teach, to, to talk to them about the thing that I love most in the world, which is um, the study of the Torah, specifically the study of the fi these five books of Moses that we call the Torah, and specifically with its commentaries, with its whole tradition of commentaries, and very specifically in the study of the Parsha, that is this, this week, this way that we study the Torah, which is to read part of it, a Parsha, a part of it every week and cycle through it um, throughout the year. And we reread the Torah every, every year in the way that we do. What we're, what we're actually about to do to read the Torah in this way. Um, so I thought it'd be worth uh, talking a little bit about where that tradition comes from. And actually, um, the tradition of, of, of regular Torah study that I'm talking about is based on um, what we're about to do now, which is a different tradition, the tradition of Kriyata Torah, the public recitation or the public reading of the Torah. And that's a tradition in a, in a sense that goes all the way back to the Torah. There, the earliest version of it uh, is in Deuteronomy chapter 31, um, and it's, it's what's called Hakel, which is the gathering or the convening. Um, and it, it, it was a very different ceremony as the Torah envisioned it. It was every seven years, every seven years on the, on the Shemitah year, we're actually uh, the sabbatical year, which is the one that we are in right now, as a matter of fact. And they would do it on the Sukkot festival, the great celebratory beginning of the year. And the idea was that the whole community, I mean, literally everyone, and the, and the Torah is very specific, men, women, and children, everybody, millions of people gathered together and they would read the entire Torah, just sit there and read the entire Torah, which, you know, I'm sure, and imagine seeing the entire nation just listening to the recitation of the Torah, and I'm sure it was powerful, and it was rare, um, but it was also probably burdensome. I mean, sat there for hours and hours and hours listening to the Torah, but that is the, how the Torah envisions its own recitation. But the institution that we know as Kriyata Torah begins much later, um, it, 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 we, we know of it from the book of, of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is like a book that's tucked way back in the, 
in the back of your Bible. Um, we don't usually get to it. But in the eighth chapter of the book of Nehemiah, they're describing, the books of Ezra and Nehemiah are describing the return from the Babylonian exile, the great first exile in the, in the fifth century. Um, you know, by the rivers of Babylon, there, there we wept. That's, that's where they were. And they were able to come back and they rebuilt the temple, but they were, they were broken. They were, they were crawling back, disconnected from their tradition and, and disconnected significantly from their language. Most of them did not speak Hebrew. Um, Aramaic was the, was the language of, of, of the people. And, um, and so uh, the book of Nehemiah, and mostly I just want to read this, this, just a few lines from this scene to you of how our public Torah reading gets started. Um, this is from, from Nehemiah chapter 8. And it says, when the seventh month arrived, and that's significant because the seventh month is, is the month of Sukkot. So it's a little, little bit hearkening back to the old ceremony. The Israelites being settled in their towns, the entire people assembled as one man, ke'ish echad, as one, it was this, as if they were all one being. And Rashi actually borrows this phrase to describe the Sinai experience. Ke'ish echad had one being with one heart. And they all assembled, and then they, they asked Ezra the scribe, they asked Ezra the scribe to bring the scroll of the teaching of Moses with which the Lord had charged Israel. La viet sefer Torah Moshe, to bring it. So Ezra brought the teaching before the congregation, and again, it's very specific. Men and women, everybody. And it says, and, and those who understood what, what it was saying. And it distinguishes, and that's important. It's everybody, but only some of them understood what they were actually hearing. Okay. So then, Ezra the scribe, Vayamod Ezra Hasofer al-Migdal Etz, he stood on a, a wooden tower. He stood on a wooden tower, if you can imagine this, climbing up, and he opened the scroll, v'yiftach Ezra Hasefer le'inei kolam, in front of everyone, so that everyone could see the scroll being opened. He raised it up. This is where we get our, you'll see it, at some point today, the Hagbah, the lifting of the Torah. So you can actually see it. The idea was to hear it, but also to see the, the Torah. And, um, and everybody stood up. In fact, in Mizrahi tradition, they, they raise the Torah and, and they show it before the reading of the Torah, which, which sort of follows, parallels this tradition. Ezra, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with hands raised. They, they raised their hands and they said, Amen, Amen, Amen. And then they bowed their heads and prostrated themselves. And this, this is really, I think, the, the critical line here. Okay, this is, this is where the tradition that I love really starts, which is that they read from the scroll of the teaching of God, translating it and giving it sense so that they understood the reading. Meforash v'som sechel. They would explain it, meforash. I think that's where the language of parsha comes from. And giving it, making sense of it, giving meaning. Okay, so that's important because not everybody understands it and they had to, they would recite it, but they would also, they would also explain, they, they would literally translate it. We know they had a figure called the Maturgaman who would stand there and they would read three verses and then the Maturgaman would say, this is what it is. They would speak in Aramaic and that was called the Targum, the translation. Okay, so that's, that's really like where the tradition begins. It's just, just out of, out of uh, beauty and honor, let's just read one more line from Nehemiah. Because Nehemiah and Ezra and the priests said to the people, they, 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 they performed this ceremony and then they had to this say to the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. You must not mourn or weep. Because all of the people were weeping. 
at Divrei HaTorah, when they heard the words of the Torah. They were weeping. They were weeping. They were back from exile. And they asked Ezra to bring out the Torah. And he showed them the Torah. And they read these ancient words. And they started to cry. To cry. And, and Ezra had to say, don't cry, don't cry. This, this is a happy occasion. This is a happy occasion. Okay, so that's, that's Kriyata Torah. That's the public recitation of Torah, which we're about to do. Um, and we know they established ver traditions of reading, and, and one of them was to read a Parsha every week and to cycle through every year. There was another tradition where they cycled through the Torah every three years, from whence comes the, the triennial reading. But that tradition of reading the Torah over the generations gets shifted, or at least built upon, into a personal practice a personal practice, which, which is particularly meaningful to me. And that practice begins to get articulated in the Talmud. The Talmud says, uh, in Masechet Brachot, says, yashlim adam im hatzibor. A person should always complete their Parsha with the congregation, with the congregation, which sounds like you should come to shul on Shabbos, and when they read, you should be reading along. Is that what it means? The, the tradition debates this for, oh, about a thousand years. What exactly does it mean? And um, so the, this gets recorded in about the fifth century, and in about the 15th century, the Shulchan Aruch, the great code of Jewish law, says this is the conclusion that, that Rabbi Yosef Karo has come to. Even though you hear the Torah read in, in, with the congregation on Shabbat, you are obligated to read it to yourself every week, parshat the parsha of that week. You have to read it to yourself. You have to study it by yourself. And, um, and so we begin to build this practice of reading the Torah, uh, the reading the parsha with, with the congregation. And then the Shulchan Aruch actually says, So actually, if you start reading it at, on Sunday, that's considered reading it with a congregation. Now it's as if you don't even have to go to shul. We're all reading it together every week. That's the idea, and we don't have to actually be in the same place. We're, in, we're together in a congregation all over the world, all over the diaspora, which they had just begun to really understand what it meant to be in a diaspora, really what it meant to be in exile. Okay, just one more piece here, which is that um, they, the, the, the Shulchan Aruch says here or that you have to do this this reading turns it into a kind of an obligation. But the Talmud had said one other thing about that public recitation, which is that it had to be done shnai mikra v'achad targum. Two times in the original, read it twice through in the Hebrew, v'achad targum, and once translated. Once translated. Now, that sounds like, at least it was a, as it was originally formulated, you have to read it twice in Hebrew, and then someone has to speak it out in Aramaic. Okay, but again, thousands of years of debate. What does it mean to, to really translate the Torah, to really? So one answer is that you have to read it in the standard Aramaic translation, the Unculus translation. Another answer is, well, no, any translation. You should read it in Hebrew, but then read it in English or in Yiddish or whatever your language is. Okay, but the Shulchan Aruch then uh, suggests yet another understanding, this code of Jewish law. Im lamad ha-parsha rashi. If you learn the Torah with the commentary of Rashi, our most famous commentator, medieval French commentator that the Talmud cannot possibly have been referring to, chashuv kmo targum, that's also considered like translating it. That's also considered like translating it, which is, which is incredible because this is a suggestion that now translation means something different 
Remember, back to the original days, there was always a concern that people weren't understanding the Torah, so you had to translate it. But now translation, if it means the commentary of Rashi, who brings all of the, the wild stories of the Talmud in his commentary, then translation, targum, now means explanation, interpretation, elaboration, commentary, commentary. And now the obligation is to read it every week and to read it again, read it twice by yourself, and then to interpret it. To, to make sense of it, to make meaning of it, to come to understand it. And that is a form of translation, actually, because it's, it's translating into a, another language, but, but here we're translating the Torah into a whole nother world, a whole nother setting, a whole nother, a whole nother culture, the translation from one, one, one era to another. So now our obligation is we have this public recitation, but also to read the Torah, read it in Hebrew, right? Try to make your way through the Hebrew. Um, and then maybe to read it in English, but, but also to study the commentaries, to study Rashi, to study the whole tradition of thinking, maybe to, to listen to my podcast, right? That, that, that might be a form of it. Or, or, um, or also um, to that idea that now translation is interpretation. Um, one of the students that I was... That I, was, that I was studying with in Tucson, a young woman named, named Maya said so brilliantly that, that, that me studying with my friends, me having a chevruta, being part of a conversation about the weekly Torah reading, that too is a form of targum. That too is a form of translation. That too is part of the practice of Torah study, of Parsha study. So just one last thing from the Talmud. The Talmud completes by saying, and anyone, anyone, Anyone who does this practice, who, who learns the weekly story with the congregation and discusses it and tries to understand it, his, his days and years are extended. So we talked about that a little bit in Tucson and there. They're like, do they really mean that if you read the Torah, you're, you live longer? What could that mean? Somebody said, oh, well, you know, it's good ways to live. It might extend your life in that way. But the other, the other meaning that we might give to lengthens your days is that it actually, it actually stretches them out. It stretches them out. It sort of like expands your days and years. And I have had that experience. I've had that experience with the weekly study of these stories. My life becomes full of them, full of the, this conversation expands my days. It stretches them out. It fills my life. It gives meaning and sweetness and richness to my life. So let's Let's open the Torah up now for all of us to see. Let's put it on this, this Migdal 8, this, this wooden, uh, wooden tower. And let's listen to the words in Hebrew. And don't weep, okay? Because it's a happy occasion. And then let's discuss and analyze and translate. Let's apply this Torah to our world. Let's make meaning of it once again for a whole new world. Hey everybody, Randy Sklar here. I'm an eCar member. And Jason Sklar here. I'm an eCar fan. Yeah, and we uh, love eCar so much. We love the message that eCar uh, delivers in their many podcasts. And we feel like most people feel there aren't a lot of podcasts in this world. I think there are only two or three. There's only a couple. So what we'd like you to do is donate to eCar at ecar-la.org uh, so that they can do more podcasts and more cool things because Lord knows the world needs more podcasts. Yep. 